Welcome to Cooking the Books, the food and hospitality podcast discussing all aspects of the industry. We interview chefs, butchers, brewers, winemakers, restaurateurs, restaurant managers, and we talk about how they got to this point, through the good times and the bad, and what they've got planned for the future. This is Cooking the Books. This week on the podcast, we had Aaron Starlin, the head chef at Big Show GM here in Melbourne. And I want to start off by saying a massive congratulations to Aaron because he's just recently won, uh, well, won it back, I guess you would say, the one hat for Big Show GM, which is a massive achievement. So a massive congratulations to him. Um, and I've, I've, I found Aaron just literally through Instagram. Obviously, I knew about Big Show GM, but I started following him on Instagram. And I just really, I love this food. I think the food he's doing really, it's this food I love to eat and I just got. I just hit hit him up and see if he wanted to chat about his career and whatnot, which he which he did. He talks about his career and you know working for Bistro Game for such a long time and ducking in and out in the way Game given has kept reemploying him and moving up the ladder and you know taking a senior position in a kitchen that he'd already worked in and the, in the and some of the hurdles that that brings. Um, but he also opens up about you know having a bit struggling in Sydney and. You know, not being able to cope with that in that environment and just saying that, you know, it's not for me, which I thought was really, really interesting. And probably one of the first people that we've had on the podcast that opened up about them kinds of things, anxiety and burning the candles at both ends. So I, I really appreciate Aaron talking about that because it's a, it's a topic that we do need to discuss and um, more, more people need to talk about it and be open about it. And if anyone is struggling with that kind of thing, they need to definitely speak to someone friends family head chef whatever it might be if you are struggling with anxiety it's definitely something that everyone goes through at some point in the career it's really important that you do definitely speak to someone and not hold it in so yeah i really appreciate aaron for that without any further ado as i would say he's aaron starlin talking about his career now over to the show aaron thank you very much for coming i appreciate your time uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, I've been I've been following you on Instagram for ages, and um, this is the reason why I want to get you on. Is I really I love the stuff you're doing. I really feel like uh, the food you're doing at Bistro Gm, which you're the head chef at. I don't know. I just really feel like not that I've seen it that much before, but I really feel like you're, you're pushing it forward, and, and it looks really modern, but still with a huge classical French um, underlining values. Yeah. Um, you know, is that is that what you're going for? Is that what you're doing? Um, well, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. That's what we're going for. We um, basically our our brief is we're a French bistro. Um, not so we are a classic French bistro, but we do try and push it in a more modern approach. Obviously, you know, our sauces and all that they're all classically, and we just we refine them. I do believe, you know, I've I've been the head chef for about a year and a half. I started end of. 2017 oh yeah um so i worked there previously and came back as a head chef and i think what we're we're trying to do now is we we the food is food is evolving to what it was in the past do you think it yeah. lost its way a little bit um i don't think it lost its way a little bit i just think it kind of it when we opened we, we were you were you part of the opening team yeah i was part of the opening team so we opened in 2011 so it used to be 
the old one used to be where Spice Temple is now, yeah. the Crown Casino. Yeah. Um, that moved in, so, so we, we're now located where Philippe Michel's brother used to be. Um, I started there in 2011. I started there as a chef to party. Um, and I remember it, I, was, I, I was fresh out. I used to work at the press club before that. Oh, yeah. And I did a year and a half on the latter section. And, you know, when I started Bistro, we had, we had a pretty decent-sized opening team. I think we had around about 20 chefs. And it was the first two weeks before we opened, we were going through that process of, you know, who's going to go where and who's going to go on what section and all that type of stuff. And, you know, I stuck my hand up to work on sauce section. <laughs> after being like, on the larder. Yeah, after being on the larder for like a year and a half, I was like, yeah, it's fine, no worries, I can do the sauce. And that's something that, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to work there because, you know, working, working in a fine dining restaurant previous to that where you have a big team and, you know, a large amount of people on sections doing a small amount of dishes on a tasting menu, I wanted to you know learn how to cook a chicken properly or cook a steak properly know when a steak was cooked properly and you know make a proper chicken sauce and refine it and you know how do you make that consistent every single day yeah you know so i stuck my hand up for that and kind of wish i put my hand up for the larder section <laughs> slowly <laughs> eased into it oh it was a rough um baptism rough, of fire they would say yeah there? rough rough few months um with that I would say over here, just to you know, be there, the, the, there's, there's not that many places with sauce sections and that over here. I don't know well, where I've worked. It, you know, it's not, it's not like the, in Europe where it's like a lot of veal stocks yeah. and whatnot, where there you've got the opportunity to learn them kind of things. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, obviously when I was looking for my next move from leaving the press club, I, you know, I was, did a little bit of research, you know, where, where to go. I saw Bistro Guillaume was reopening um, where it is now and, and you know, Obviously, I've followed Guillaume throughout my career. I, I, I realised that he was a very successful chef in Sydney, having the been along at the Opera House, you know, um, doing my apprenticeship in Sydney as well. So you kind of followed the restaurants that were going on out there, and that was at the top of its game at the time when I was living in Sydney, previous to living in Melbourne. Beautiful location. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Beautiful. I, I was very lucky to have a chance to work there, like, towards the end, so it was good. But... You know, following Guillaume and, you know, knowing his type of food, it was that classic French food, but, you know, a lot of a lot of care and technique and stuff went into the dishes and refining those dishes. And, you know, that's something that I wanted to learn how to do. So I applied for the job. Um, interview didn't go swimmingly as I thought it would go. Like, obviously, you know, I was very nervous. And, you know, the, the head chef at the time had worked for Guillaume for quite a long time you know, had a, a very good CV, was, you know, worked in some really good places. So he had that job of building an opening team. You know, luckily enough, I got hired. Um, and it was good. It, it, was a, it was a very big learning curve. It was very, I was pushed outside my comfort zone many, many times. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I think it made me a stronger chef, which was something that I needed, definitely. Um, and, you know, putting your hand up to work on the sauce section <clears throat> in a restaurant that, you know, you don't know it at the time, but, you know, when we first opened on a Saturday night, we'd do like 300 covers. Far out. And it was... Far out, that's cranky. Yeah, and it was, we were open seven days a week, lunch and dinner. So it was very, it was, it was just full on. 
Um, and on that sauce section, are you doing the? Is it? I don't want to dumb this down and say we're well, only doing the sauce. But are you doing that? Are you doing purees? Okay, or are you doing? doing? So basically, you know, you you have a on a busy night. So it's not an amazingly big kitchen. Um, our front line only fits five people comfortably. Um, so on a on a busy night on a Friday Saturday night, we'd have five people at the front. You'd have two people on sauce section, two people on fish section. So you'd have one person cooking your fish, another cooking your meat, and the other person in section would be responsible for doing the garnish and plating. Um, on your quieter nights, so though, you'd be when there's one person on the section, you would be prepping your meat, you'd be making your sauces, you'd be making your purees. Far out. This was back in the day. Obviously, now we have a lot more a lot more casual chefs behind the scenes doing the prep work which helps us out a lot especially with the the size of the menu like the menu when we first opened was quite big like it's very large we we had our normal a la carte menu and then on top of that we had a du jour menu so we had a different dish, dish of the day every single day yeah so you know we'd have bouillabaisse one day have i love a beef that dope next I day i fucking love that oh it's amazing like it's pain in the ass to make when yeah. you when you when you've got all your when you've got all your prep to do and then at the end of the night and you, you get to about ten o'clock and you've packed down you're like shit I've got to make bouillie bays now so get the brat pan on like Fair start out. would that happen uh, yeah sometimes sometimes what, it would and what about um, portions wise like how many portions would you make of that you know that's um, that's what I always think about them you know dish of the days effectively. Um, yeah, like, do you do 20, 25? And what do you do with what's left over? Um, on, our, on our quieter days, so like Monday to Wednesday, we would, you'd have a du jour, but it would be, it would be something that, I wouldn't say something that wasn't nice, but it wouldn't probably appeal to everybody. You know, on, I, I remember when we first opened, I remember this dish, we did a, it was a veal tongue dish, and, you know, we braised it off, it was served with green beans, um, some coffee onions, and some like tomato concasse. It's a main course. Juice. Yeah, it was a main course. Fuck, tongue is a main course. That's pretty. Yeah, and it was you know, it was a lovely dish. Yeah, it was the first time I ever had veal tongue as well, but that didn't appeal to everybody. So that would be one of your dishes that wouldn't really sell that much. So you'd probably when we first opened, we were making like fifteen portions of it, and it wouldn't sell. And then you'd like you try and sell it the next day, it still wouldn't sell. So there was a bit of wastage on that dish. So then we would, you know, but then you have your days where, you know what, I'm going to prep five of them today. And then you'd sell 10. Yeah. Like, oh. So, you know, trying to find that balance. We ended up taking that dish off the menu and we replaced it. I think we replaced it with like a rabbit dish. But, you know, our Monday to Thursdays, you'd prep maybe 10 to 15 portions of that dish. On Saturday nights, we have, we do beef dope. So, that's the great thing about putting a special on on the weekend especially if it's a roast yeah. or, or a dog or whatever super simple take the pressure off yeah. it's a great outlet for that well Friday, Saturdays obviously busiest nights so we put on a special that was easy to push out the kitchen yeah so, exactly you know take the strain off you know cooking 200 steaks you know let's put a braised beef cheek on simple it's a four step move mash beef cheek sauce garnish send it yeah. and that dish would take you about a minute to send yeah and we would cook about 80 beef cheeks every saturday and we'd pretty much sell all of them yeah it takes the pressure off the service exactly and especially yeah. when you're doing big numbers in two sittings in such a small space as well those types of dishes help like fridays was bully base so you know you heat up a soup all your garnishes in the pot you pull the soup over you send it yeah you know that's smart it's smart cooking yeah exactly um, 
we did we used to do a, a, a lamb dish we put a lamb a lamb shoulder dish on for sunday you know it's like a, a a sunday roast kind of thing and it was literally lamb shoulders that we braised off overnight and we we pulled them out in the morning we carved them we we you know glazed them sent born them in or born out um bone out bone out, yeah. so rolled, bone out born, rolled, rolled yeah, yeah, yeah braised them overnight picked them down glazed them and then you'd serve them with like six different types of root vegetable and these were all like prepped down nicely and you know you cooked them off in um brown butter deglazed a little bit with a little bit of balsamic vinegar and it's like yeah cool no worries i remember one night uh one day for lunch we were really busy like we were getting absolutely nailed i think we did 150 people for a sunday lunch Jeez. and we only prepped like 40 portions of this lamb shoulder dish garnish we had enough lamb but i remember we were it was and it was the the tail end of lunch as well and you know just like i'm on the garnish oh, another guy worst. was cooking the meat and it's worst. i'm like yeah cool yeah all right i've got enough garnish and but i didn't see the dockets up the other end of the pass which had about 12 lamb on it i was like shit all right cool no worries no i don't have enough garnish Start taking one off. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And you ta- you're taking like one off, and you're trying to like build up another garnish. Exactly. And it's like, oh, okay, that looks a bit. It's quite beige that garnish, and you're trying to like pick that one piece of beetroot yeah, to make it a little bit more exactly. colourful. And you turn around, and give it to the chef. He's like, "Fuck's this!" Like, <laughs> and he gives it back to you, like, "Ah, oh, crap!" And like getting people to run downstairs, and they're like prepping veg on this little hand sink next to the sauce section, and they're just trying to roast stressful out. Oh, it was not my finest hour. So, but uh, going back to that, we used to do um, we used to do like a roast as well, like a rack of different load heaps of things. A, a sirloin, we would roast a sirloin, or we'd do a rack of pork, and we'd just take a slice out of it again uh, for um, for ease. Exactly, you know, you just got the garnish. Generally, like some puree, green beans. Pork, pork sauce, crackling, dollop of apple sauce, and just, you know, like on a Sunday, just push it out. Yeah. So just takes that pressure off. It's really good. The food that you're doing now, is that the food that you, you, you've, you've always wanted to cook? Um, yes. Yes. Um, yeah. I've always, I've always enjoyed French food, or European food, I like to call it. Like, the food that we're doing now is, yeah. I, I believe it's where, where it should be at the moment. Um, Obviously, when we do we do a menu change, we try and do four a year. So oh, obviously, fire, that's a lot. Try and do it seasonal, um, and we do full it. change. Or do you have do you have staples? Um, we have staples. Yeah, right? of course. So basically, when I came back as head chef, I had a meeting with Gil and we sat down, and basically he told me, you know, you're responsible for these dishes. These dishes they need to stay their staples. Which at the end of the day, it's this is what has made yeah, us yeah. Bistro Guillaume and that's what people come for exactly for sure, and, and come back you know, for when, when, I, when I used to go eat at Bistro they were the dishes that I Definitely. would order you know, you, you know they're the dishes I order when I go to a Bistro in France in Paris I order those dishes because yeah, yeah. they are French staples and when they're done really well they're, they're amazing so you know stuff like the, 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 the smoked salmon which we do which we do really well we do that snails you know, do you love the uh, snails yeah we do snails yeah. we do the onion soup yeah. you know the steak tartare steak fritz the chicken with mash yeah they're not allowed to come off we can refine them um like going into our new menu which starts in a couple of weeks time which will be summer is it spring uh, summer? yeah spring summery spring, summer, yeah. like we'll we'll start to um obviously going into the the 
more into summer we'll put some more tomatoes and stuff on there because yeah yeah like yeah this as the season year, starts yeah this year yeah. the tomato season started like really late yeah and, you know when you draft a menu up and you're like okay i'm gonna put tomatoes on it's like okay cool we're starting the new menu and then okay where's my tomatoes oh yeah you know the weather was bad we're not getting tomatoes for another two weeks well, we've printed printed all the menus yeah like, and the thick's printed right you yeah, can't just like yeah well it takes about two weeks a week and a half to two weeks to change the menu because obviously you've got to change all your micros buttons and stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. to put into the computers and all that you know we do we do a lot of training in terms of the menu now we we, we have menu notes so like especially front of house when you start front of house you'll get a menu pack and it will tell you you know descriptions of every dish what's gluten-free what's dairy-free you know what has alcohol in it like very intensive menu notes um what we can do what we can't do in terms of changing dishes and stuff like that we're, we're very flexible in terms of changing dishes but obviously yeah. on a saturday night when you're getting smashed of course 250 covers sometimes you can't jeopardize everyone else for, ex- yeah, ex- yeah. exactly exactly and you don't want to jeopardize jeopardize like the the quality of a dish by you know throwing a handful of chips on it i'd rather serve those chips on the side and yeah you know plate that dish but yeah. you know back to what you were saying with the the food i that's where I think the food should be now. I think, and, and Guillaume is, really enjoys where the food is right now. Yeah. We're, we're doing less, you know, we, we used to, what we used to do back, back when we first opened, you know, we, we used to put on a dish and, you know, there'd be quite a lot of components to that dish that made up that dish, you know, and those dishes were quite labor intensive, you know, like, for, for us to make a chicken sauce that takes three days like you know we make a white chicken stock you know and that white chicken stock goes into our brown chicken stock and then when we finish that brown chicken stock we roast all the wings off we roast all the mushrooms off and then you add that down reduce it down so you know they all take time to do that but then when you're making a, an onion soup which we make from our veal stock which you know you're going to make a white chicken stock then a veal stock reduce that down make an onion soup onion soup takes like four days to make yeah so you know in with our new menus that we've been doing recently over the past year and a half, you know, we've been looking at ways of, you know, how we can minimize that, make it more simple, you know, that way you can put more dishes on your menu, you know, with, you know, say like asparagus, you know, you just need a dressing and a little bit of garnish, send it like you're, you're, you're doing it because it's the asparagus, it's the asparagus season, people want to taste asparagus, they want to eat asparagus, they don't need eight different garnishes on top of it because yeah. once you start putting eight different garnishes on it the flavor of the asparagus gets lost yeah. you know i remember my first time that i made a chicken sauce at bistro guillaume and you know we had all these recipes and you know i made <laughs> i made the call of like you know because i would made chicken sauces in the past obviously in other places and you know obviously you have that mentality of you know when you leave one place and start a new place you kind of just leave what you learned at the last place at the door because every other restaurant has got their own way of doing things you know and i made the comment of you know well don't we put white wine in this and you know and (laughs) everyone's turned around at you and gives you daggers and you're like uh-oh, I said something wrong there. Yeah. We know. used to do it at my old place. Yeah, you yeah, fuck we it. used to do it at my yeah. old place. Oh, and you're like, fuck, if I hear that, someone say, say that again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, and then he made a good point. He was like, at the end of the day, you're making a chicken sauce. You know, you, you, you're you making it from chicken bones. You're, you're making a white chicken stock to go into a brown chicken stock. You know, you're using wings to finish that sauce. Like, why would you want to put wine into it? You want it to taste like chicken. So this is how we make it. it tastes like chicken. And... 
you know, that always stuck with me from that day. And it was like, makes perfect sense. So. I guess it's the, the thing of the jus, the juice, the juice of yeah, the yeah. chicken. Do you know what I mean? That's what, I guess, what, that, what that's yeah, exactly. what that's saying. Where are you getting, where are you looking for, for like, not inspiration, but where are you looking? Who is there anyone that you follow? And like, think I like what he's doing, and, and like getting a bit of inspiration from um, that Inst- with Instagram now. Um, a bit of there's a bit of a mix of everybody. Like, obviously, you know, I follow, say, like you, you follow Bouchon and places like that in America. Like, they're, but they're still doing those those classical those classical um, French dishes, more modernized way, um, which are nice. But you know, I follow. I follow a lot of like places in France, like you know those those neo bistro type places, but like mm, Clown Bar and smart. you know Set yeah, Team. Yeah. Not necessarily doing Set Team's food because obviously they're 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 a little bit more finer approach, but like their their techniques and you know the presentations and stuff like that. Um, those. Yeah, it's so logic, of, isn't it? If you yeah. want to do that style of food, follow them style of yeah, 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 exactly. It, yeah, like, yeah, you know, it's smart. But I also follow places like you know like Lyles in London and stuff. Like I like love the way they play up their food it's amazing you know i it's very clean which is what we're yeah, trying to do more of 100 as well a lot more cleaner you can see that exactly you and can I, really see that and i do feel as well like in terms of presentation as well like you can put minimal stuff on a plate but it needs to be on a nice piece of plate like a nice piece of porcelain or a yeah, nice, nicely you know, polished yeah, nice, yeah, yeah, nice yeah, plate yeah, yeah. because you know you could plate up the best dish in the world and it could just be on one of those really crappy hotel bistro plates that's, yeah. and it's not, you're not going to get that same effect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're the people I follow. Um, I do follow a lot of, a lot of wine bars and stuff like European style wine bars. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously you follow, like I follow places like the French laundry and all those places as well, because you know, they're, I've seen, sorry, I, I've seen, um, Bouchon, I think today he just had like a slice of sirloin. Did you see that this morning? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Just on, I thought, you know, it's really, it's cool. It kind of works really well with the, um, like what you're saying, less garnishes, less labour. It's kind of, I'm not saying it's lucky, but the way that the, the wages, I, I want to get into that as well, about the wage theft and, and wage theft, inverted commas, but um, the hours, the limited hours. So I guess food has to evolve yeah. within the rules yeah. you know as the rules change the food has to change within them rules as well like you just can't have the manpower and run the business and I think so it's a natural progression with that as well so it's you know all in all it's working together so it's pretty it's good that, that the style is going with that or is it it's going that because is it the hours that are driving that all around the world? Chefs don't want to work these many hours and that. So people are having to simplify it due to that. It was really complicated when people used to get work to the bone. So it's just a natural evolution of it. It's, pretty, it's an interesting thought, really. No, it is. It is. And, you know, I think, you know, what people, people's perception of, you know, going to a fine dining restaurant and that now, like, is a lot different to what people's perception of, like, I wouldn't call it fine dining now. I'd call it like, I don't know, what do you call it? Like there's very, there isn't a, a lot of those fine, fine dining restaurants that are doing their tasting menus and all that. They're all going down this simple, this simple route of simple food because people don't want to eat complicated things, you know? Yeah. They don't want to have people with white gloves crumbing their table every five minutes. They just want to, you know, one thing that we do have in our restaurant is, you know, our food is designed to be, for you to have like if you come in I can have a steak 
and I can have a salad and I can have an entree, okay? But at the same time, I can also order a chicken and a steak and you can share it between two people and that's fine to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You know? so, Quite diverse. Which, which is what a lot of people are doing these days. Like, obviously, we're not going to make our menu a share menu, um, but the, the dishes are very, very simple that you could have five dishes on there and just graze over that. You know, our, our side dishes, you know, predominantly the veg vegetable dishes you could have that as a vegetarian entree if you wanted to yeah, it's not yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know obviously you've got your fries you've got your mixed leaf salad you know the, the staples that you have to have but you know like when we do a vegetable dish say a cauliflower dish or a pumpkin dish that dish is designed to be okay well that can be a vegetarian dish you know it doesn't necessarily just have to be a side dish and would you just put that on a different plate yeah yeah um, yeah. yeah well the, the plates that we say so like our, our mash and our fries our salads they do go into smaller side dishes but yeah stuff like our feature side dishes like our grilled broccolini like our, our cauliflowers that we've done in the past you know our pumpkins we do serve those in a bigger bowl anyway oh, okay so yeah. um because they are your larger sides that you know you can share between you can get one of those share that between a table of four yeah you know, okay and, or you could have that as your vegetarian thing i think when we a long time ago we didn't used to have hardly any vegetarian dishes on the menu and we were you know you'd have one vegetarian come in and we're like okay uh let's do like a a, a tasting plate of veg or we do a risotto and yeah, yeah. pasta or yeah, 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 yeah every yeah, vegetarian person that comes in hates risotto you, know, <laughs> yeah. you give them a risotto and like Gee, thanks. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, when, obviously when I came, when I came back as head chef, I was like, well, let's, let's fix that. You know, when I was at, when I went to the press club, I remember this, and this is where I got this from. We had a dish on and it was a, it was a, a vegetarian dish and it was a, a gnocchi dish. And who doesn't like gnocchi? Everybody likes gnocchi. Yeah. But it was on a tasting menu. And I remember it was like, okay, cool. It's the vegetarian option. And the guys were prepping and were like, yeah, it's just for the veggies. But you'd have people that were not vegetarian, they'd add that and they'd want that as a supplement course. And you'd end up selling out a knocky, you'd be rolling knocky in the middle of service. And you're like, okay, cool. So when I came back, I was like, well, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a vegetarian dish that we can do that's not risotto and not this and something that's light, simple. So we did Parisian knocky, made that. So it's a shoe pastry instead of potato, Yeah. Um, which makes it French. So, um, and did that with a garnish. and. It's probably one of the highest selling dishes that we have on the menu now. Like oh. people will come in and they'll be like, okay, cool, I'll have a gnocchi. That's their favorite dish. And that's just kind of evolved into the menu now there where it's like, when we do one of our menu changes and me and Guillaume sit down, we're like, should we change the gnocchi dish? And we're like, well, no, let's just change the garnish. Yeah, let's seasonally. Keep the gnocchi there. Seasonally, yeah. You don't want to take that off and then piss people off. It's a good technique as well for the yeah. guys to learn. Exactly. And you know, people have that dish and they'll have that and they'll share that in the middle of the table and they'll, they'll have a steak, they'll have a chicken, they'll have a gnocchi in the middle of the table and they'll, they'll just have a little bit of everything. So now with all like the way the food is now, you know, you can have a little bit of everything now. Yeah. So I like, I like that. Um, the way that you're designing the side dishes for the vegetarians have, that's a, that's a smart move. It's, mm. it's smart. People should, you know, I would never have thought of that, to be totally honest with you. I think it's, it's a good move. It takes pressure again because it's already prepped. It's there. It's going out all over. You're not having to prep five portions or six portions or yeah. and hoping it sells them binning it and getting discouraged when you're just putting in the vegetarian guys because everyone's going to order you know, carrots with whatever it might be, hazelnuts or whatever you might, you might have. But then to be able to just say, yeah, you can, you know, we can maybe add a little bit of something for a, yeah. it's very a vegetarian. It's a, it's a smart way, smart way of doing it. I think... 
Guillaume having the bistro there for young chefs to come and learn good French food. I think that's a great opportunity for a lot of young people in Australia to go and work for that kind of person and learn red wine sauces and, and learn uh, onion soup and, and all these tartare and all these like proper French ways. And they don't have to go all the way to France. It's you know it's a yeah. great for an apprentice. I'd be looking. Okay, I want to go and do that for at least a year or two. Do you not? Do you not think? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like when. Like my whole hotel, my whole background for cooking is hotels. So, you know, the first restaurant I worked in was the Press Club. Second restaurant I worked in was for Guillaume. And I remember my grandparents came over from the UK for a holiday and I was cooking dinner at my parents' place. Used every pot and pan in the kitchen, obviously. Uh, I did, let's do something simple. Let's do roast chicken. And, you know, put everything in, all my veggies are ready and stuff. And I pulled out the chicken. I was like, yeah, that looks amazing. I went to carve it and it was half raw. I was like... Shit. And you yeah. know, my, my parents have told my grandparents, oh, you know, he's working at this restaurant oh. in Melbourne. And yeah, it's like, it's a really good restaurant. And I was like, fuck, I can't even, didn't even get chicken right. And I was like, yeah, okay. Fixed it. It, it was fine. But then, yeah, yeah. you know, I kind of sat down and I was like, well, you know, I've been, been, been in this restaurant for a year and a half. Okay. And it wasn't that, you know, I wasn't going to get moved around. Like it was a very, it was a, there was a lot of chefs in that kitchen. So, you know, moving around and all that type of stuff was, it, it, it did happen. But, you know, if, you, if you've if you been on Lada for a year and a half and you're the strongest person on that section or, like, you're one of the strongest person on the sections, why change it? You're saying, like, you yeah, know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's in your detriment to be the yeah. best on that section because, yeah, exactly yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's the mentality that I've always had. Like, when, you know, when I get put onto a section, it's, you know, you need to own that section because once you've owned that section you get to move on to the next section and the next section and the next section yeah. after that and I feel like when I, I applied for that job for Guillaume I was like I need to learn how to to cook I want to I want to learn how to roast a chicken I want to learn how to tell when a steak is done you know without having to put a probe thermometer into it you know I want to learn how to finish the sauce you know I want to learn how to make short crust pastry sweet pastry shoe pastry all those types of things that you know I, I feel these days that they're, they're kind of getting a little bit lost. Definitely. Like, the fundamentals, the classic it, it, fundamentals. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, you can go work in a fine dining restaurant these days and not have to learn that stuff because that's not what that restaurant is doing. But I do believe as well that, you know, there, there are fundamentals from that old school cookery that still get used in that restaurant, but they just get used in a different way. Yeah, yeah, so, 100%. You know, they might make a chicken sauce the same way we do it, but they might do it in a quicker way. They might make it in a backpack machine or a sous yeah, machine or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so pressure cooker or something. It, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I, I do believe it is important for the, the young guys that are coming through now to, to know how to fillet a fish, to know how to break down the chicken, to know how to break down a side of lamb. Because, you know, we have butchers these days that can do all that stuff, you know. And when, when I was an apprentice, um, I did my apprenticeship in a hotel, so there were a lot of sections to go through. Like, you know, we had a, a guy that just took care of fish downstairs, so he'd break down all the fish. You know, you, we had a butcher that broke down all the meat. So as an apprentice, unless you were on those sections or down in that kitchen for that day, you wouldn't learn how to do any of that. You know, you'd go down in the morning, push a trolley down, and you'd come up with 20 beef tenderloins that have already been portioned. It's like, well, how did you do that? Yeah, yeah. You know, and you didn't really start learning how to do that stuff Well, went until I started working for Guillaume. It's like, you know, you get a whole chicken in, and they show you how to break it down. Okay, what we're going to do with this? We're going to make the sauce from this. You know, how are we going to make the chicken jus? I knew how to make chicken stocks because I learned how to do that in college. Mm. You know, when you work in big hotels, 
the CDPs make all the stocks and it gets done in the production kitchen. So, you know, you only spend a short amount of time on those sections. You're not doing them every single day. Yeah, yeah, so, repetitive, repetitive. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, you know, a, a place like Repetition, Bistro... Repetition, should I say, not repetitive. Repetition, sorry. Ex- exactly. Yeah. And I, I believe a place like Bistro where, you know, you're, you're making your sauces, you're doing your butchery, you're breaking down your own fish as well, especially as a young chef, you're learning how to do workflow as well how to plan your day because you know that you know the first thing you got to do in the morning is you need to put your sources on to reduce yeah you yeah. need to put those stocks on so they're ticking away while you're doing all your other there's prep. no point blanching your green beans exactly and when then you've got no chicken sauce yeah when you you're know. putting your chicken sauce on at quarter to 12 yeah, yeah. It, exactly and like you know we're quite lucky at the moment and we have been for the past year and a half like i've you know i've always had an apprentice on since I've been back like at the moment we don't we've just had an apprentice that's just been promoted to a commie chef um so it's always good to have those you know young guys in and we don't just we don't just get them in and you know shit kind them on the larder section you know when they first start you know they'll do a few months on larder they'll do a few months with the fish you know doing the prep learning how to break down a fish learning how to make a stock yeah and then once they're comfortable the sauce chef can come in hour or two later you know the apprentice has already started. He's got your stocks on. They're yeah, reducing. Yeah, bones of roasting or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. So, you know, we we do have quite a young team at the moment, and we have done for a while. I, I I do have a core team of guys there, which most of them have been there over a year. Yeah. Um, it's good when you've got solid guys. Everyone knows and it's what good. Doing. And it, it it took a long time to get it there. Um, it was by no means easy, obviously, because you know you you get your everyone over here is on a working holiday visa there for six months especially at the casino yeah exactly it's easy it pulls them people yeah I found that when I was at Rockpool we never struggled for staff yeah but it was always a rotating door of of visa people do you know what I mean because it seems like people come they google where should I work and then there's like all these restaurants in Crown they're probably living in the CBD or they're living somewhere around the CBD it's really simple easy location yeah and yeah it makes it makes it really hard as well because you know we you know, you, you have a person on the section for six months and it's like, okay, he's coming towards the end of his time and you replace him with another six months. And then it gets to the point where half your kitchen is finishing up in six months and you've got to replace those people. Yes. Yeah. So at the moment, it's we're in a bit of a better spot because most of my guys are from New Zealand. So, you know, it, it's good. Like a lot of my core team I've had for just over a year, I've had some there, my sous chef, she's been there for three years. She started when I was a sous chef there. Yeah. So it's been good. The um, the only thing I would say, I did enjoy that, that rotation of people because if you get good guys, they can you can learn quite a lot. You can take a lot from them. We had like, it was about five, maybe four or five guys who were really good who'd worked at, one guy, Bruno, was from Germany. He'd, he'd worked at some fantastic restaurants, um, a Canadian guy, and they brought some new techniques that they'd been doing in Germany or in Canada or in London. And it, I don't know, sometimes it can reignite the kitchen if you get the right character. So there is some positives with that as well, I, I reckon. Yeah, no, no, without a doubt. Yeah. Like we've had, I remember we had one guy, I can't remember his name, it was quite a few years ago now. He'd worked at a really good seafood restaurant over in Europe and you know obviously comes in for his work trials like you know where, where where's your strongest he's like well you know i've worked here i, I know how to break down fish da, 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 da. It's like cool and it was a saturday you know our biggest seafood delivery comes on our fridays and our saturdays we're like okay cool we break down fish 
and the, his knife skills, his fish work was crazy. It was amazing. He was teaching the guys on fish. It was just like, well, if you do it this way and all this way, it's, it's easier. And it's like, well, you're definitely hired. You're yeah. definitely on the fish section. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And well, so you're on them. That's what I mean. Sometimes you can use that to your advantage. Yeah. In the sense of like, mm, well, they're coming to learn from us, but fuck it. We'll just learn from them. If he's great, if you know, if he's it, better it, than it, all of us on fish, it, let's all learn off it. Exactly. And you know, like I know how to fill a fish. I can break down meat. You know, do I know how to fillet a piece of fish as well as I know how to break down a chicken? I don't know. But if there's someone out there that, you know, can break down fish quicker than me and better than me, then who am I to say, you know, yeah, don't, lift the don't standards. teach them how to do it, yeah, lift yeah, the standard, yeah. you know? Yeah, make, exactly. Make the style consistent, you know? And I think that's one thing, you know, you struggle with in those kitchens as well, where you do have people there for a short amount of time is consistency mm. and flow of dishes like, the mise en place is key. That's the hardest part of your day is your mise en place and service is supposed to be the easy part. You know, if your prep's not done right and it's not consistent, then your service is going to go... Yeah, you're just building. If it's all there, it's just yeah. building, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. What um, what are some of the classic classic dishes that you still do? You do, you still do a bouillie base? Uh, yeah. Oh, there we, we kind of got rid of the du jour menu. Um a couple of years ago now but we do do you do specials or not yeah yeah, yeah we do we got the we got the black the big black chalkboard in the in the in the restaurant um you know stuff like our steak tartare we've got our smoked salmon chopped toward is it chopped or yeah, minced yeah it's hand cut hand cut hand cut yeah hand cut so <laughs> I remember being in France this year and last year and you go into a restaurant you order steak tartare because I love steak tartare and you get it and it looks like a burger like a big raw burger and I was like uh, yeah, because I keep thinking that it's going to be the same as what we do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, hand cut steak tartare, that will never come off. That, that's such a big seller. You know, um, chicken they love mash. it over here, yeah, steak tartare. Yeah, we had it on at Rockpool and everything. We sell fucking Oh, it's the it. best. Like, so if, if, if I go to a restaurant and there's a steak tartare on the menu, I'll order it. Do you make do you pre-make the mayonnaise effectively or the um, dressing? Or do you have we a- make the sauce. So we make, a, we make a tartare sauce. So your tomatoes, your Worcestershire sauce. That's already pre-made. Yeah, that's yeah. pre-made, but then we make the, t- the tartare itself to order. Yeah, so we dice our beef, it's weighed, so it's consistent throughout. Yeah. Everyone gets the same for a main size or an entree size, and then it's made to order your capers, your cornichons, yeah. done in the little quenelle, serve a little salad, some gourfrets, some crispy potato crisps. And yeah, you know, we do, we do run, you know, our classic specials and stuff on the board. You know, we put our onion soup on the board, because obviously in summer and spring we sell a lot less of it, you know. But in your winter you sell a bit of it. So you know we've got our escargots, we've got our onion soups on there. You know we do pativiers, they go on the board. I love pativiers. Oh, yeah. We made this really, really good one. The last year it was like a lamb and truffle pativier. Was it using the shoulder? Uh, yeah. So yeah. Picked, picked all the, picked them down. We've done oxtail pativiers. Yeah, we used to do a partridge in foie gras. Oh, it was unbelievable. So good. I had an amazing pativier this year. I went to um, Burgundy this year. For a work trip. And, oh, nice, oh, nice. So good. So good. <laughs> I, I am very lucky and quite fortunate. But um, my last day in Paris before I flew home, I went and ate at a place in Paris called Clown Bar, and I went with um, one of the owner. He owns a restaurant in Paris. It's called Botanic, and he's like, "I'll take you here." I was like, "Okay, cool." So I heard about this place. Follow it on Instagram. So it's a cool spot to go. And I was like, "Clown I, Bar." Clown Bar. Yeah, yeah I think it's. Um, it's a wine bar for one of the one of the popular restaurants in Paris. I can't remember what yeah. it was, but I was like, oh, duck and foie gras pitivier. I was like, I want that. Got it. And it was one of the best things 
I've eaten this year. It was amazing. Leg or breast? Uh, I think it was a breast. Yeah. It was so good. And it was amazing. I was like, I really want to make something like that. Yeah, it's good. But, They're beautiful. Yeah. And just the craft and that in them. And you, you mentioned that you, you, you worked at Guillaume's as a shift of party. Yeah. And as a sous chef. And then did you leave and then come back? So on and off, I've worked for Guillaume for about seven and a half years. Coming up on seven and a half years. Um, I started as a CDP at Bistro in 2011. Um, obviously, that massive opening team we had at the start, that got smaller. Um, I worked my way into a junior sous chef role um, and then worked my way into a sous chef role. So I think when I was there as sous chef, there was we ended, there ended up being like three of us, three sous chefs. Um, still, so we'd run the kitchen in the head chef's absence, but we'd still be responsible for being responsible for section so you know i still oversaw the sauce section because that was something that i just pretty much stayed on that section through most of my cooking time yeah at bistro and you had one guy keeping an eye on fish one guy keeping an eye on the larder um and then when guillaume benelong was coming towards the end of its time at the opera house they were quite low staffed um and they were open for another three months obviously because they were closing they just people finding up. new jobs in that yeah, 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 yeah. Um, they were closing and they just picked up their third hat so they were busy like booked every I think they did lunch Thursday Fridays and then open Tuesday to Saturday dinners and they were booked for every single service so Guillaume asked me if I wanted the opportunity to go there and help them out and work the source section down there I was like yep yeah, okay cool definitely yeah I'll go do that jumped on the plane went down to Sydney and did, I think I ended up being there for about a month and a half, two months. And that was really, really good. Like I learned a lot of stuff there. Um, definitely learned a lot more about workflow. <laughs> you don't when, have much time. Oh, yeah. and, and you're running, like it's just- Pre-theater and all that oh, there yeah, as yeah. well, yeah. So we, you, Cause it's right, it's right underneath the opera house, yeah, yeah. which is now where Benelong is, yeah. yeah. But you, you, you go into your service and be like, Okay, so we've got 100 book for pre-theater, we've got 150 book for a la carte, and you've got 50 book for post-theater. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool, no worries. So, <laughs> and you'd, you'd have, say, you'd have a pre-theater menu, and then you'd have an a la carte and a tasting menu, and then the post-theater would be the same as the pre-theater menu. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it, I, I learned a lot. It's crazy that he won the three hats before it's shut. It's almost like, you know, is it a positive or a negative? You're like, fuck, I just won three hats. I wish we were still going. Or is it like yeah. leaving on a high? Well, took, Do you know what I mean? He took it and that year he won like the legend award, like the the the, the big one that they had as well. And it was just like, whoa, that's... What an achievement. Good. Did he, I think he was a head chef at Key as well, wasn't he? Yeah, was yeah, it? yeah, yeah. So, Back in uh, the day. Um, yeah, he was at Key, uh, Bilson's and then Key, and then went over to the Opera House and... I think he had been along for about 10 years. Yeah. Amazing. Like, it's what they did for that amount of covers was, it was insane. Like, when you go from working in a smaller bistro, doing, you know, 200 to 300 covers on a Friday night, and, you know, you've managed to gain that one hat status and retain it, but then you go to this fine dining restaurant that seats over 100 people easily. It was like one whole shell of the opera house. And, to have that many menus, like a pre-theater, a tasty menu, an yeah, a la carte menu, a lot going you on. know, a lot going on, retain three hats and be able to push out 
200 to 200 to 300 covers on a Friday and a Saturday night. It was it was like a different ball game. Yeah, you know, and I took a lot from that. I learned a lot from that. Um, good times and bad times, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I, I went back to Melbourne and took a to resume my position as a sous chef um, in Melbourne. And then obviously Benelong closed. They were opening up a new restaurant in Paddington. Um, and I had a really good time at Benelong and I was kind of feeling that, you know, when you're in a position where there's three other people in that sous chef position as well, and yeah, you know, yeah. I kind of felt like I'd been there for- I get it. A, Your time was caught in the end. Yeah, time yeah. has come and, you know, I enjoyed my time in Sydney. My parents live in Sydney. So I was like, you know, I asked you and I was like, do you mind if I be part of the opening team? Um, and he was wrapped because he was like, yeah, okay, cool. You could work on Saucation. Like, no worries. Cool. Let's do that. So it was a six month, a six month thing. And I was like, you know, I'll come down. I'll do six months. If I like it, obviously I'll stay on and all that type of stuff. So it was good. So we went down there. Um, my partner came down with me as well. Um, she worked front of house, um, who I'd met at Bistro as well. So we were like, you know, we'll go down, we'll do six months. We'll see what it's like. You know, if it doesn't work out, always come back we can stay in Sydney um, I put an immense amount of pressure on myself in that time and um, kind of burnt myself out so I think I only did about three months there and but still had three months left in Sydney because we signed a lease and all that type of stuff so my partner stayed on front of house she stayed there for the whole six months I ended up taking a bit of time out how did you feel about doing that um, at the time, I was, I knew it was best for me. Like I, what I, was it? What was getting to I was you? Just burning the candle at both ends, pretty much. Partying. Yeah. Well, that's it's like something I've always done. Like from when I was an apprentice, it was like you know you can go out, especially when you're younger, you can go out and then you can go and work a full day and you know do it on minimal sleep, you know. And I think doing that and a combination of doing that, I was smoking a lot of cigarettes. Um, do you still smoke? No, no, I quit. Yeah, it's quit fucking dirty. Three, three and a half years ago now. Yeah. Best thing I ever did. But, um, yeah, just wasn't looking after myself properly. I would literally, everything was about work. Like, I'd go home, I'd read cookbooks, I'd watch cooking shows. There was no balance in my life. And I think, and I, I always put, I always used to put a lot of pressure on myself. Like, like if you fuck someone up you'd beat yourself up yeah exactly like I'm one of I am my harshest critic like if I'm not happy with something I get I get really frustrated about it it Um, can eat you up right it can can fucking ruin your week almost let yourself down or whatever yeah yeah, yeah, like it it would come to we were closed on Sunday Mondays and you know once you've woken up on the Sunday and you're like fuck I've got so much work to do on Tuesday you could like you could never switch off yeah and you know I was one of those people as well when I was in the kitchen I used to like I just used to thrive under pressure it was like it just pushed me and pushed me like if you know you cop a cop a spray for screwing something up or you know not being on time for something that just it only drives you to go quicker and faster and I think it just got the better of me one day and it was just I think I finished work on a Saturday I got home I just looked at my partner I was like I can't do this I'm fucking broken yeah so was that hard to come to terms with it was it was it was very hard like especially like working working for Guillaume for quite a a good period of time you know and 
I've always I've always had and still always do have the highest respect for him because of what you know what I've learned from him and you know what is a cheat he's a legend in the game yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. exactly like you know he he has always looked after me like if he sees potential in someone like he puts he puts the time and the effort into training someone yeah. you know and you know because obviously a lot of people he's had a lot of people work for him in the past and all that type of stuff and you know people come and go but he's always had <coughs> sorry um, this um, this like this loyal you know fan base of chefs that have worked for him like you know he's had chefs that have worked for him for like 10 years yeah you know so you know they might go and do something else but you know they've a lot of them have come back and you know they've done this and then you know they might want to go overseas and go do a couple of years in London or yeah, go do a couple of years in there he's always the first person he goes as soon as you come back you give me a call he goes I'll give you a job straight away yeah yeah you know and you, it's that's obviously benefited me quite a lot because I, I I've left twice and come back and you know he's give, he's made a position for me even if there wasn't a position for me he'd make it for me yeah, yeah. so which was good but you know it, it was hard to did you feel like you let him down at all a little bit like yeah. a little bit like obviously I went in and I spoke to him and I was like did you, you do know, your notice or not or did you just literally I, call it a day on that he, day he gave me he gave me some time off okay so it was just you know take some time off like my my anxiety levels and all that were really bad I had quite did you suffer from that already? Anxiety um, and things? Or do you think a that- little bit, a little bit mild, but then it got really worse because obviously I was just, I wasn't looking after myself properly. Yeah, yeah. Burning the candles at both ends and all that type of stuff. So, um, and I, it, I got sick essentially. My anxiety was really bad. So I just, I didn't, I couldn't cope in that environment like mentally. So it's not for it everyone. Was a, it's not no, for it's, fucking it, everyone. It wasn't for everybody. And you know, you kind of, you, and, this is the thing like you kind of yes I can do this I can do this and you keep doing it and you keep doing it but it's just a question of how long you can keep doing it for yeah and how how long till you're really broken let's yeah, say exactly. do you know what I mean and, and like, you've got to look after yourself the most important thing is you've got to look after yourself exactly and even you know swallow your ego or whatever else it's no one the most important thing is you look after yourself mentally definitely it's such an important topic yeah exactly and you know having my partner there at the time like it was amazing she's like she's always supported me in everything I've done like especially with my cooking career like she's she helps me with everything but you know for her to see me like that it was kind of like I think I need to stop for a little bit because it's going to be no good for both of us so um I spoke to Gilman I was like you know I can't do this like you could lose everything time. as well so you know exactly. you could you know if you just kept going you could lose your partner you lose your fucking anchor yeah. then things can really start fucking spinning out of control exactly and you know you I, and I didn't want to fall out of love with cooking as well because yeah, definitely. you know it's something that I've always enjoyed doing and it's I, I, I do I love cooking it's it's I love doing it I don't really picture myself doing anything else so I've you know I threw in the towel for a little bit I went and helped out a mate who owned a cafe in Sydney. I did three months there. That was a bit of an eye-opener, and I think that kind of, like, got me into that perspective of, like, I don't want to work in a cafe. Um, Poaching eggs and cooking. Yeah, yeah. So you went from top, no disrespect to cafes, from, like, elite three-hat pushing, pushing, pushing to, like, cafe. So you, like, it was, like, both ends of the spectrum. And I I didn't want to completely, like, give up cooking. But I was just, like, I needed something to... I needed a job essentially (laughs) got bills bills to pay and stuff like that but also as well like I just I think I needed just a little bit of a break 
Is that is this hard for you to talk about? Um, a little bit, like because you know, obviously, embarrassing. Do you feel it embarrassing and like a little bit weak or, or, um, or not? You shouldn't. That is for sure. No, exactly. That is. That is no, 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 exactly. And I'm, I'm just wondering how you feel internally, as opposed exactly. to you know, because um, things are hard. No, it's hard to admit some things like that. You yeah, know? exactly. But it's, it's good to talk about it. Exactly, and this and that's one of the things that I think people do need to talk about it more. Definitely. I think that will definitely help, especially the way the industry is at the moment. Um, it is a bit hard to talk about sometimes. Like sometimes, yeah, okay, you do feel embarrassed. You do feel, you know, you've let people down or you've let yourself down. Um, but you know, it, it's it's easy. It makes it easier when you talk about it. And it's but definitely not the case. That is for sure. It ex- exactly. Case. And you know, and no know. one's laughing at. No one's laughing. No one thinks any worse of you. And the people who do. They're, they're fucking idiots anyway exactly and I do think as well like you know it, ma- it makes it easier to talk to somebody now being in the position I am as a head chef if somebody comes in and tells me they've got a problem then I can relate to that because you know I've been in that position like okay you know I might not have all the answers for you to make you feel completely better but at least I, I have a little bit of an understanding of what you, you're going through and like how you kind of, how we can kind of help you or how you can kind of help yourself yeah you know so I did that for a little bit and then you know after six months we're like let's go back to Melbourne can I just say that we've all got in a taxi before and, and like this is me now like this took a while for me to come to terms with where like you know you get in an Uber or whatever and you say oh what did you used to do what else you do because oh, you, you used to be a chef they'll say that I've had this happen to me and say oh, and I've heard someone else say this that this, this happened to me and they're like oh I used to be a chef and you go oh. and in your head when you're a chef it's like oh what you couldn't handle it that's kind of like straight away is like the mentality like oh you couldn't handle it it was too much for you or whatever as if like as if like if, if, it, if it was then you're soft like that's fucking crazy yeah, do you know man. what I mean like for me it's like even though we're still doing it, it took a while for me to realise that I've come away and I didn't quit. Like, quitting isn't the thing. It's just I've decided that other things are more important. Exactly. And that's it. It's not like I couldn't handle it and it wasn't... Maybe it's not for you. Sorry. No. Maybe it's not for you, but it's not a quitting thing. It's no, just exactly. like, this isn't working for you in your life and you need to change it if it, it isn't. It's, exactly. And it needs, to, it needs to be sustainable. Like, it has to be... It has to, you know, your your career, your job, it has to, it has to benefit you and your family but it also has to benefit you mentally like you can't Definitely. be you know you can't go to work every single day hating your job because then because you you know you don't you don't like it or it's it, it's 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 too hard you should never think that way about it if it's if it's not for you and you don't like it you know why do something that you're not happy doing definitely and when's you know? it going to end exactly like, do what you're you going to keep doing it? yeah exactly do you, you keep know? doing it when you're 60 55 yeah. at what point you go exactly enough's yeah. enough yeah exactly and you turn around after 10 years and go oh, shit I should have quit 10 years ago and you know yeah it just yeah I don't think it, it you know, you're not weak or anything like that it's you know you just you're you're making a better lifestyle choice for yourself like, I, th- I think it's easier when you get older you get a partner you know, yeah. you're going to get married or you are married or you've got children. It's a lot different than when you're like 25, 26, you yeah, know, yeah. a bit more testosterone, yeah, yeah, exactly, a bit more spring exactly. in the step. You're like, as you get like nearly 40, I'm 40 in a few months. I'm like, well, the testosterone's nearly fucking gone anyway. <laughs> I've got nothing to prove. Yeah. You just come to terms with things a lot easier. But when you're younger, you really have that like drive, like, yeah, yeah. It's hard. There's a, you're battling a lot as a young, as a, especially, you know, in, as a, I can't say for a female, but as a male, then testosterone and everything at that young age and that 
environment you, you're definitely battling with a lot of things I yeah think. exactly and you know it's that whole persona it's like you know and you know when I first started I used to work the saw section you know I eventually got the hang of it and it's like it's the busiest section in the kitchen and you're like you're kind of, kind of like yeah yeah this is cool this is awesome look at me it's great but then you'd have like a bad night and you'd fucking overcook a couple of steaks or you know you sauce it split and you know you send the service down and just like you beat yourself up about it yeah, it's like just like biggest piece of shit going exactly right? like yeah. you know you have you know 15 good services and you have one shit one and yeah. it's like the end of the world it's like oh, i can't believe i did that and you get down on yourself and you know you get sad about it and it's like it's just at the end of the day it's just food definitely you know I mean? we're definitely not, we're not saving lives like yeah. we're just cooking I, food i think that about like you know the players who miss the penalties at the world cup or whatever they've had you know they've played an unbelievable season they've got picked up here for england yeah they go to the thing they get to the semi-final they've done all this amazing stuff they miss one fucking penalty and then like they just absolutely rinse through the papers of the yeah. biggest fucking piece of shit the fucking beckham got a red card he kicked out they, they were hanging him from fucking it's like Whoa, 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 everyone just fucking slow down. But that's what, you know, I look at them and think, oh, well, I only went down. You know, at least yeah. the papers aren't, yeah. I'm not going to open the papers tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Gary Southgate still never living it down yeah, exactly. from missing that penalty. You know exactly, know I mean? <laughs> exactly. Um, when you went back to Guillaume's as the head chef after being away, was it hard to get the respect that you, you know, because you, you were the chef to party and then you were the sous chef and you've come back and now you're the main man. Was mm. it hard or was everyone quite open um, to it? So... I finished, when I finished up in Sydney, I went back, I went back as a sous chef again um, and did um, about eight months. And I, it was just me, I was the only sous chef there. And the, the food was starting to evolve a bit more. Like, I'm not saying the food never evolved in the past, but it was kind of evolving a little bit quicker. We were doing, you know, we we're moving forward and with the times a little bit, so to say. So that was fun. Uh, when I came back, it was a completely different team. Um, so new people to train, you know, new friendships and all that to make, um, which was really cool. But then it got to that point after eight months, it was like, I'm pretty, and I was in that same position again. I've like, I've, I've pretty much done all I can here. Um, and I think I was, I've been sous chef for about three, four years. And I was like, I, I think I need to kind of step out and test the waters and see what, what is out there so um i did a cooking competition that year elect and um it was good i came runner up and i was like give you oh. some confidence yeah it did. It, it did it did boost my confidence especially coming off that like Sydney little bit of a rough thing. patch yeah, in yeah, Sydney. Yeah. Um, it did boost my confidence and it was i was cooking my own food I wasn't cooking Guillaume's food so. yeah yeah because it can be quite hard that aspect to be underneath the umbrella of such yeah. a big name yeah exactly absolutely. and it was you know you're cooking and you know your judges are some heavyweights in the industry and you know you you go in there and you've got to cook a mystery box and it's like okay cool if I make it into if I make it into those top eight right I've got to cook a mystery box of three different courses of pastry and entree and a main but, I had to shit myself with the oh, pastry. Mate, I'm not going to lie. not my strongest <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like... Where's the creme brulee? Where's the <laughs> creme brulee? And you're not allowed to take any recipes in with you. Oh. So I was like, okay, cool. No worries. And I cooked this dish. I remember I cooked it. And we it was a mystery box. I got some snapper in there. I got some gun charlie in there. And I'd used everything in it, but I forgot to use the gun charlie. I was like, 
oh, I haven't used that before. What am I going to do with it? It looks like bacon. Let's just pan fry it off. Which and is the cured pork cheek, yeah, right? Yeah, it made it way too salty. And I put it on my dish and it just overpowered the whole dish. And I remember I went in there for my judging and we were finding out if we were getting into the next day. And I remember they were like, so your dish was lovely, but you, you put that, cooked that Charlie on there and it was like a massive salt bomb and it kind of just overpowered everything. I was like... All right, cool. So, uh, all right, no worries. Thank you. Like, I'll see you, see you next year. I was like, so just remember that for tomorrow. I was like, oh, nice. But then I was just like, oh, cool. I got in and I'm walking out and like, high five and everyone's like, oh, shit. Like, what am I going to do for pastry tomorrow? <laughs> was <laughs> like, that in your head? Yeah, straight? exactly. Yeah. I was like, quickly like, oh, God. All right. That's pretty simple. That's pretty simple. And you're like, and you're waiting outside, pacing up and down the room the next day. Because as soon as you get in there, you can write a recipe pacing up and down it's like okay Aaron you can go in now before I even looked at the ingredients ran in there quickly wrote down like a posset recipe a crumble yeah, recipe yeah like, yeah 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 right, oh because cool, you remember you yeah, out yeah, there yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Right, I'm good now quickly like right um, awesome so what was in the what did you do um, I ended up doing you had to use rhubarb so I did like a I had these awesome like any English plates. person did I made a rhubarb crumble exactly what else? <laughs> yeah. I was like, thinking about that now I should have just done that but I ended up making I was I made like a panna cotta but it was set in a bowl so made this rhubarb braised rhubarb rhubarb curd over the top and then I made a coconut milk panna cotta that set over the top of that and I just made a crumble just a basic crumb mix put that over the top of that um, and that was my dessert and then I did a braised lamb neck for um, I love lamb neck. main course which was great because yeah. stuff I'd learned being where I am working and then yeah. I did a kingfish crudo for the the entree Matt a very good confidence boost I just wanted to get into the top eight yeah. so you know it was good I met some really cool people like in the industry some people that you know are doing really amazing things now um networking it's great for yeah, networking yeah exactly and that's, yeah. The, that's the whole reason why I did it stages not... are great for networking all yeah. that yeah because networking is such a key element to the business yeah it... exactly and you know it's networking is really good I'm not one of those people that I don't want to be on TV I don't want cookbooks any of that type of stuff but to meet people in the industry that are doing you know not exactly the same stuff you're doing but you know that uh, in your generation of chefs seeing what they're doing seeing what techniques they know and just inspiring you know, exactly and it is so, you know, I never expected to come runner-up or top three, but, you know, lucky enough to get that. And then, um, obviously, went back to Bistro, because I was still working at Bistro at the time, you know, and we ended up going over to London to go do an event for work, which Guillaume took me and the head chef over there for, um, for the Rugby World Cup. And oh, he loves his rugby, doesn't oh, he? Oh, yeah, 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 he's good. Yeah. <laughs> he's loving it at the moment, actually. But that was good. That was the first time I'd been home in a long time. But it was great. We're cooking produce from like, go to get stuff from Borough Market and you're getting these amazing raspberries and stuff like that. And, you know, I went and ate at my first Michelin star restaurant, which is amazing. Guillaume took us there. We went to the River Cafe. Yeah, beautiful. One of the best beautiful. meals I've ever had. Um, so I've been very fortunate to have a lot of opportunities like that. Through him. Did, then, did you get a head chef's position after that? Um, so I left after that when I came back from yeah. Europe. I went and did a bit of traveling with my partner. We went and ate our way through Europe came back with an extra 20 kilos me <laughs> I did um, and then I finished up there um, I went and took over a small wine bar in Carlton yeah um, friends of the family bought it um, they wanted me to consult on the menu I basically wrote a new menu for it and then the head chef that was at the time just was walked out so I kind of took that job over so that was my first head chef role small wine bar it was really really good fun um, 
small team. Um, and yeah, I think didn't really end up working out. I think I was there for about seven months. I don't think what my my vision for how my food didn't really match. Didn't what, align with the whole didn't, system. Didn't align with yeah, the system yeah. and didn't align with like, you know, where we were in where we were in Carlton and that type of place. Like, I think we were trying to do, you know, the owners wanted to do a bit of everything to be able to cater for everybody. Yeah, Whereas yeah, yeah. I was just like, well, let's just do this one thing and that's what we'll do. But, you know, so it was sometimes like, it's, yeah, sometimes things don't work out. Yeah, it is no what harm. it is. At it the is end of the day, exactly. you know, it's your business. Definitely. You do what you want with it. So I bowed out and I took over um, O'Connell's in South Melbourne mm. um, pub. That's been going forever, right? Yeah, it's been going for There's a lot of, a lot of history in that place. Um, when I got taken on, it was, again, I think the, the vision that the exec chef at the time was, because it was an exec chef of the company, was like, okay, um, we'll, we'll do this and we'll do that. I was like, okay, cool, no worries. I took the job and then... I think three days before I was due to start the job, that executive chef left. I was like, okay, well, I left my previous job and I'm starting this new job in two days. No worries, let's see how we go. So I went in there um, and I started right at the tail end of like the busy period. So I was going into Christmas. Yeah, so trying to make a menu change during Christmas period was just like, suicide so let's not try that so just incorporated a few dishes in tidied it up a little bit tidied it up a little bit and you know i think one thing that melbourne was lacking at the time was like a british style gastro pub which is something that you know being a kid growing up in the uk is i ate a lot of pub food um scummy and chips and that yeah yeah, yeah. love scummy amazing so it's like why can't we do something like that here? So I, I, I tried to do that there, but you know, a pub that's been there for so long also has their regulars. Mm, yeah, they yeah. want, they don't want the menu to change. Like, and they want stuck to stuck in be, the ways a little yeah, bit. They want but, to have a well done tenderloinus. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, they yeah. don't have that. Like, so, um, I finished up there. Um, Guillaume gave me a call and he said, do you want to go for a coffee? Cause he was in Melbourne at the time. So I went and had a coffee with him. He's like, listen, because the previous head chef had gone, he'd moved on, um, and they were kind of running it with a sous chef. And he was like, you know, would you like to come back and basically just make it yours? And yeah, that's why I did it. So, and, and, and did you struggle with the staff? Um, I did at the start. I definitely did at the start. When I went into that kitchen, there was a lot of staff. Yeah. Like, um, I think it was just out of sheer, there was no one that was really accountable for what was I think they just bulked it out of staff to do the menu yeah yeah just, hands as opposed yeah, exactly. to more, yeah, yeah. more hands more than quality there was yeah. some really good people there but so I took that over and basically the the brief was at the start was to retrain everybody how to do the classics to do the food so how you make Guillaume's mash properly how you do the smoked salmon, how we do cook the chickens properly and all that type of stuff. So basically everything I'd learned at the start was what I was training everybody else to do just at a larger scale, Yeah. each on each section. So I did that for about three months, training everybody to do that. And then we just started to make small changes to the menu. I hired um, two sous chefs, which had worked for me previously in other places. And 
they were like my they were my backup they were there to the generals exactly yeah, then they yeah. were they were there to help me execute the new I wouldn't say the new style of food like the the evolved yeah you need a, approach. If, if the top a nice and tight yeah yeah everyone has to just without sounding like a dictatorship but everyone has to get in line yeah. if, everyone, if the top you know if, if the top's a bit loose and they've got their their own little crew and they've got their own they can quite yeah. they can bash together quite a lot and that was the thing like you made those changes and then that soon that large team that was there when I first got there it just got smaller 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 because it, it wasn't for them they didn't want to do that food they didn't want they, they were quite complacent they were quite happy with the way things were before yeah but you know, obviously, as a restaurant, and you know, there's so much competition in Melbourne, and especially French food. Like you've got to, you have to evolve, and you have to move forward. And that's yeah. something that you know we've we've been doing now for the last year and a half. So um, yeah, it was. It's by no means been. Although I've worked for Guillaume for such a long time, it was no means like an easy transition into that head chef role. Like yeah. I did, I knew, I knew how to do say like the, the ordering systems and all that type of stuff that was, cause that was stuff I did when I was a sous chef, but the actual, you know, running of the kitchen and now dealing with say KPIs and all that type of stuff. Yeah, costings and yeah, all, yeah, budgets all that fun and, stuff. It's kind yeah, of like, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's, it's been a challenge. It's been a challenge. Obviously like I've had, really good support from Guillaume I've had amazing support from my partner like she helps me out amazingly so you know and obviously balancing that with being a dad as well which is you know which is a bigger job which is is a bigger job job, more important and a big job in itself but you know I feel like all your training's been in in Australia but I do feel like the food and you mentioned it there at the pub an English style even though you're you, you're an Australian chef, effectively. Mm. You, you still have. It still feels like there's a bit of English DNA. And then I did a bit of research, and I think you said that your grandparents, one was a farmer, one was a chef. Yeah. Do you think that influence comes through? Um, definitely. Like I, when I was at school, I had no. I didn't want to be. I, I had no. Um, Were you good at school? No, nah, I was. I was good at some things. I was good at. I was good at the subjects I wanted to be good at. I was very yeah. good at sport. I yeah. was very good at hospitality. Yeah. Um, art, I did a bit of art, which is good, but like, say, like the maths, the science, was crap. English? Uh, English was good. Reading, writing, all right? Yeah, reading, writing, fine, but yeah. maths, I'm shy with numbers. Yeah. So um, I never went to school wanting to be a chef at the start. Mm. Um, my whole memories of food as a child were very beige. Um, my dad was away a lot for work because he was in the military. My mum worked night shifts, so I grew up on that, you know, frozen waffles, chicken dinosaurs diet. Yeah. Um, when dad was home, you know, we had... Crispy pancakes, remember yeah, them? Oh, they were the best. <laughs> so good. Crispy so pancakes. So good. I actually looked for them when I was back mince, this year in Mince Europe. crispy pancakes. Yeah, yeah they, oh, they were so good. <laughs> I actually said that to my mum the other day. She was down visiting. I was like, do you remember those? She's like, oh, yeah, they were great. <laughs> Man, we used to eat some shit. (laughs) So, um, no, um, but, you know, when dad was home, we had a roast dinner every Sunday, which was amazing. You know, my my dad's the better cook out of the mum and dad. Mum's not very good. Um, Dad's always been good with cooking. Um, Grandparent the farmer? Yeah, my granddad. So my granddad's a farmer. He's retired now. Um, My nan was a chef, so she still does catering. Oh, does Um, she? Still going on it? Still going. She's retired. 
both retired so she's doing catering still Granddad still helps with the farm and goes venison hunting and all that type of stuff. Does he? But um, whereabouts in England? Uh, Suffolk. So oh, they yeah, live yeah. in Stoke by Nail and just outside Colchester. Yeah. Um, and then my mum's mum. That's military Colchester, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. yeah. So my whole family's military. Yeah, my mum was in the navy at one point, and so oh. she met my dad. My mum was in the in the army as well. Yeah. Yeah. We've it's got crazy. a few, fair few in the oh, army. So. They they were the career options at the time. Like I remember when we were growing up in the UK, we were. Um, so I wanted to be a fireman because we live around the corner from a fire station. My whole family was military. I remember my dad and granddad one time was like, so what do you want to be when you grow up? I think I was only like nine or 10 at the time. I was like, oh, you know, I could just be in the Navy or the army like Uncle Sid or like dad, or I could be a fireman. And like, yeah, okay, cool. No, so that was, that was never going to be an option for me to join the military. They didn't like, want you to do it? No, especially yeah. my dad. My dad was like more of a, you know, I go away all the time. And I grew up a lot, obviously being younger with my dad going away a lot. I don't know how people do that, honestly. Oh my, I genuinely don't know how they leave I the leave. I don't know how my mum did it. Like, yeah, she, yeah, amazing Fuck. job. But it was it was hard. More so for my sister. She was younger, and you know my mum. So it's kind of like you're always the man of the house type thing. Yeah. Um, but you know when he was home, it was great. He used to cook all the time. You know we ate, we had some really good meals. But then you know because my parent we we grew up in Portsmouth. We'd, um, we'd go to Nan and Granddad's house, but when we went, we'd go for like three weeks. So we'd go during school holidays. And they were my memories of food that I had. I wasn't, you know, I didn't cook with them wanting to be a chef, but, mm. you know, they grew all their own vegetables in the back garden because they lived in the countryside. So massive backyard, you know, you'd be pulling carrots out the garden, pulling potatoes out. My Nan was very into it. They had a Bramley apple tree down the end of the garden. So she'd Bramley pick apples, apples yeah, apple yeah. pies, apple crumbles, whatever she didn't have, she'd, she'd pickle stuff. You know, she'd go pick slow berries to make slow gin. I love slow gin. And just watching that. Piercing them? Did she pierce them? Yeah, and with the sugar oh, and that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was good. Like, she had this massive kitchen. It was, it was like, they live in this old farmhouse. It was amazing. We went back there a few years ago and it's still exactly the same, exactly how I remember it. But, you know... We, you know, when the, when the family have like a party, say someone gets married or someone has a birthday, Nan would cater for it. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, she'd be making my one, and this will always stay with me. She made this um, salmon mousse and I never, I never ate it, but I just remember she had this mousse tin and it looked like a salmon. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Plop, put all this salmon mousse in and it was just on this plate and took it out and I looked at it. I was like, that's mint. That's awesome. Yeah, like, that's, what is that? That's like, that looks cool. And yeah. like, Danny's like, it's a salmon mousse. I was like, salmon mousse? What the fuck is that? <laughs> Where's the cheese like, sandwich? <laughs> Tasted it. I was like, yeah, nah. okay, cool. Palette wasn't ready for that. Yeah, yeah. But, you know. It's still in you. You still yeah, seen yeah. it. Yeah, that's, a, that's awesome. Yeah, it's good. And so I think that's where where my love of food came from. But like, just going, going back to the question, because I want to wrap this up. Do you want to pursue an English uh, theme in the future? Or, or, or are, you, are you going to stay with the French? Or are you looking... It, you know, is the English style... Because you said... When you said that before, I felt like there was a gap for the English style. Is it something you want to pursue? Or are you just happy? Is um, it not really yeah, on your radar? I think more so, like, the preserving side of things. Like, we, we, we have, like, pick a lily and we make our own mustards and stuff at work, which is something that I learned through my nan. Like, I, I use a lot of her recipes in that respect. Um, I don't really get into wholesale. <laughs> get into wholesale. My, my partner keeps telling me that so we should sell this. I'm like, I'm telling you, look at into it. Good definitely, business. Definitely an option of what we what we we're hoping to do in the future. Like, you know, looking more family time would be amazing, which is something that we're also looking towards as well. Um, but you know, 
that English that English part will always they'll always have a place in my heart essentially yeah. I think French European more so French is where my where my skills lie um, I do believe like I do believe like classic French dishes and just classic dishes in general but done in a more modern way will be more of a making a comeback I think yeah like, I feel like you're really finding your path right now to be honest That's yeah. just from looking from the outset and yeah. listening to your story and like the hard times you had in Sydney and then you know the pub and then coming to this and now you're finding a little path you, you, yeah. it seems like from the outset that you go, you, you, you know where you want to go now which must be a nice feeling yeah it is like I, I think I did go I was trying to define my own style when I left Bistro in the first place and then I went and did the pub thing and it was like the complete opposite of what I was doing at the wine bar. And I, I think I was still trying to find my feet to find my own style of cooking. Yeah. Um, where And I was like straying away from all the French stuff that I'd learned, which is where I've always been strongest. Like, you know, even when I worked at the press club, yeah, we were a Greek restaurant, but it was a very European driven restaurant yeah, yeah. and technique yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. So, you know, I think coming back to Bistro and doing that, I'm now starting to find my own style of cooking which is not so different to Guillaume's style of cooking but it's I'm pushing it more in I wouldn't say a modern direction but a more like a, a simpler approach and just an an easy approach beautiful you know, well listen so. well you've wrapped, you've wrapped that up that's perfect <laughs> in the sense of if people want to follow you and follow your journey and uh, and start seeing where you where you're going to take the food at Beast Your Game how can people find you um, Instagram or yeah Instagram um, Chef Aaron Starling on Instagram um, and just come into the restaurant like say hello say hello say hello you know the menu's changing in a couple of weeks time it's a very exciting menu I believe it's one of the best menus is it I'm proud to be coming in so far well, I'll so be definitely coming in I, I, I've been a few times I come for my birthday I come actually for Christmas day one time oh really yeah I sat outside for Christmas day yeah um, yeah I've been a fair few times oh perfect but yeah I think it's a great spot I love that casino. People like slag the casino or whatever. Yeah. But I, I actually, I love hotels. I love hotel restaurants and I love like resorty kind of things. You know, I'm yeah. a, without bad mouthing there, I'm a charver at heart. Do you yeah, know what exactly. I mean? I just love that bling and the, bro the yeah, you know, I love it as well. A lot of people yeah. don't like that whole staying in a hotel thing. I love it. It's I love like, it. Go, so I'm yeah. staying in a five star hotel. This is great. This is <laughs> exactly. awesome for one night. It's great. I don't Definitely. Care. Well, listen, thank you very much for your time, Aaron. And yeah, I hope everyone enjoys it. Perfect. That's all, folks.